This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Grandpa and the twins tested out Grandpa's new wheelchair in Ukraine. There, they followed the magical brass compass to a member of the Black Feather, who was in possession of another magical artifact, an old brass magnifying glass that shows you anything you want. Grandpa and the twins confronted the man and were able to get away with the magnifying glass. And now for Episode 7. Zealous in New Zealand. 
Grandpa and the twins floated out over the water in Grandpa's wheelchair. Grandpa had pressed the fishing mode button, and the wheels had inflated into pontoons. Floomp! A long fishing rod popped out of the backrest. It doesn't get much better than this, Grandpa sighed, flicking the rod over his shoulder for another cast. I beg to differ, Sawyer mumbled. Fishing is so boring. We haven't caught anything. Grandpa put his arm around him. Fishing isn't about catching fish, son. It's about clarity of mind. It's about getting outside and taking a deep breath. I've gone entire fishing trips without catching a single fish. And guess what? They were some of my favorite trips. Sounds like torture to me. I think it's kind of nice, Susie said, letting her hair out so it could whip around in the breeze. I love how peaceful it is here. What's this place called again, Grandpa? Milford Sound, Grandpa answered. Remember what we learned about fjords in Norway? Those narrow inlets of water that come in from the sea? Well, that's what this is. Except now we're in the country of New Zealand, an island southeast of Australia. Susie took another look around. This was one of the most spectacular places she'd ever seen. Tall mountains sprouted up around blue ocean water like green cones, and one of them had a waterfall cascading down from it. Sawyer wasn't as impressed. Come on, Gramps, we've been here for at least an hour and still haven't caught so much as seaweed. The fish are just messing with us now. Why don't we make it easier on ourselves and catch them with a net? Sawyer pressed a net button on the armrest, thinking it'd drop a fishing net, but instead a net gun popped out and fired a net out at a nearby fishing boat, wrapping itself around the boat's engine and making it sputter to a stop. Hey! yelled the fisherman. Sorry, Sawyer ducked behind Susie. That's enough button pressing for one day, Grandpa said, taking Sawyer's hand and moving it away from the armrest. Oh, come on, Gramps. I can't take this anymore. Can we please just press the cotton candy button again? Grandpa gave him a stern look. You broke the cotton candy button, remember? You pressed it like a hundred times. So no, there will be no more cotton candy. <laughs> he humphed. If your parents knew how much sugar I'd given you, they'd fire me as your grandpa. Susie, how about you tell us what you and grandma learned from that thumb drive? Susie pulled out a little notepad from her pocket. To be honest, it wasn't quite as revealing as I'd hoped, but still there were a few interesting facts we learned about the Globetrotter Society. She glanced over her notes. Apparently, it's really, really old. No surprise there. But it says that the first known discovery of a magical globe was by a monk in Nepal hundreds of years ago. At first, he thought its enchanting powers were spiritual in nature, but soon discovered that the globe was sending him on missions around the world to do good and stop evil. Sound familiar? Weird, Sawyer said. I know. Susie agreed. She continued. People noticed the monk appearing all over the world and referred to him as an angel or guardian angel. And what about all the other globetrotters? 
Grandpa asked. It said that years later, more globes were discovered, and the globes started making the globetrotters cross paths, encouraging them to help each other out with their missions. It started picking up with the start of the world wars, and the globes apparently played a big role in ending those conflicts. When the missions became more complicated, the globetrotters held meetings to plan out their strategy. They worked together to fight evil and solve problems. Anything about the Black Feather? Sawyer interjected. Not that we saw, but there was mention of a globetrotter named Captain Drake, who began using his globe for selfish reasons like to get treasure. He started convincing some of the other globetrotters to do the same, and it caused contention among the globetrotters, and basically put an end to the globetrotter society. So you think this Captain Drake is leading the Black Feather? Sawyer asked. No, I doubt he's still alive, Susie replied. The records make it sound like that all happened a long time ago. But the story does explain why the Globetrotter Society doesn't meet up anymore, and why some Globetrotters started using their globes for selfish reasons. Who knows? Maybe we're meant to bring them all back together. Sawyer groaned. Oh man, that sounds impossible. Why can't our mission be something easy like try a dessert from every country? Susie raised an eyebrow at him. Sawyer, we basically do that anyway. Oh yeah. Good work, Suze, Grandpa said, shooting her a wink. You and Grandma have discovered some valuable information. My guess is we're going to keep running into these globetrotters until... Grandpa's arms yanked forward as something tugged hard on his fishing line. Oh, oh, I got something! Ha <laughs> ha! He started reeling in the line with all his strength. Sawyer sat up. Holy cannoli, something's actually happening. Careful, Grandpa, you're back, Susie said, noticing Grandpa's struggle with the fish. What in the world? This thing's huge. Yeesh, I think I'm going to have a stroke. Grandpa grunted and leaned back with the pole, which was bending like a banana. The line whined as it left the fishing pole. Help! Help! Sawyer and Susie jumped on his lap and grabbed hold of the pole, Sawyer elbowing Grandpa on the face in the process. Together, the three of them yanked hard on the line, leaning and pulling with all their strength. But the fish was putting up a fight. The line kept unraveling and the huge fish was getting away. Here! Grandpa locked the pole to the chair so they wouldn't get yanked out into the water. But as soon as he did, the whole wheelchair boat started zipping across the fjord. Grandpa, we can't bring it in! Susie cried, water splashing in her face as they bounced over the water. I'm not letting it get away, Grandpa said. He reached for the jetpack button and pressed it. They blasted off into the air. Mist trailed them as they soared high above the water. The fishing line unraveled in a frenzy and then ran out, lifting the fish out of the water. Sawyer and Susie's eyes bulged. A great white shark was biting onto the end of the string and was wriggling furiously above the water. Holy moly! Grandpa shouted. The chair soared another 20 feet before the line finally snapped and the massive shark splashed back down into the water.
There was a long silence as the shark's dorsal fin circled above the water a few times and then disappeared under the surface. Sawyer stared down at the rippling water. Fishing is awesome! Let's do it again! No, thank you, Grandpa said, still catching his breath. Um, Grandpa? Susie said, holding up a finger. We were just swimming in that water a few minutes ago. Grandpa made a yikes face and scratched his beard. That we were, young lady. That we were. He chuckled nervously. I guess I forgot that the water around New Zealand is a hot spot for great white sharks. Whoops! Don't tell your grandma about this. In fact, how about we just forget this ever happened and go explore the rest of the country? What do you say? Susie felt the brass compass moving in her pocket. She took it out and held it up. The needle was spinning to a stop. It looks like the compass agrees with you. She opened the guidebook and sure enough, words were appearing on the page under New Zealand. It says to head to Auckland, she read. Grandpa smiled. Sometimes I could swear that thing reads my mind. Talkland! He pushed the joystick forward and they blasted off over the mountains and disappeared into the clouds. During their trip, Grandpa had to keep getting after Sawyer for using the magic magnifying glass to watch sports games. Show me the game between the Charlotte Hornets and the Miami Heat, he would say. The magnifying glass would obey and zoom in to show him a bird's eye view of the basketball game. But Grandpa quickly snatched it out of his hands. It's not a TV, Sawyer. I don't want you wasting its magic on frivolous things. But shortly after that comment, Sawyer caught Grandpa turning away and whispering for it to show him the score of the Red Sox game. Susie was preoccupied with much more important things. Flipping through the chapter in the guidebook, she was brushing up on her knowledge of New Zealand. Hey, listen to this. The country of New Zealand consists of two main islands called the North and South Islands, and then a number of smaller islands. Even though the country's capital is Wellington, located on the North Island, the biggest city in New Zealand is Auckland, found further north. The country and its people are diverse. Here you will find sandy beaches, beautiful glacier lakes, active volcanoes, rolling green valleys, deep fjords, and snow-capped mountains. The twins glanced down and got another spectacular peek at the pristine green landscape below. Susie continued, The nickname used for the people of New Zealand is Kiwis. Mmm, I love Kiwis, Sawyer interjected. Me too, Susie agreed, but their nickname actually comes from the native kiwi bird, found only in New Zealand. It's a cute little flightless bird from the same family as the ostrich and emu. They're a national symbol for New Zealand. Sawyer held up the magnifying glass. Show us a kiwi bird, he commanded. The magnifying glass zoomed in to show an adorable little bird with a long beak, waddling around, poking for food. Oh, it's so cute, Susie gushed. I want one. No, Grandpa quickly answered. Ugh, fine. Susie went back to reading. Most New Zealanders speak English, but some speak Māori. 
The Māori are the indigenous people of New Zealand who settled this part of Polynesia more than a thousand years ago. Hold on a sec. They do the haka too? She looked at Grandpa. Isn't that the really cool warrior dance we saw on our last trip to the South Pacific? Sawyer asked. Yes and yes, Grandpa answered. The Polynesian culture has a big influence all over the South Pacific. The haka dance is part of that tradition. Grandpa glanced down at the approaching coastal city. Here we are, Auckland, the city of sails. Why do they call it that? Susie asked. Grandpa pointed to the countless sailboats in the harbor. More people in Auckland have boats than any other place in the world. Amazing, isn't it? The twins agreed. Apart from the mosaic of sails, the city's skyline offered sweeping views of the ocean in almost every direction. Sawyer pointed out the Sky Tower, a narrow pole-like building that looked a whole lot like the Space Needle in Seattle, Washington. Several onlookers from the top of the tower waved at the flying wheelchair as it passed, despite Grandpa's best efforts to make a discreet landing. When they touched ground, Susie used the compass to guide them to their destination. This is it, Susie said, telling them to stop in front of a small ice cream stand. The sign above it read, Hokey Pokey Ice Cream. So what, you have to do the hokey pokey dance to get a couple scoops? Sawyer joked. No, but I'd be willing to give you a free cone if you do it, came a cheerful voice behind the stand. A woman with long dark hair and a pleasant smile appeared from behind the register. Grandpa chuckled. Sorry, my grandson has never had the famous New Zealand ice cream before. I figured, the woman said with another smile. She reached down for a big scoop of white ice cream with big yellow chunks and held it up. Hokey Pokey ice cream is a New Zealand favorite. It's vanilla ice cream with honeycomb toffee chunks. Offer still stands. Hokey Pokey dance for a free Hokey Pokey cone. She didn't have to ask twice. Both Sawyer and Susie wasted no time doing their best rendition of the Hokey Pokey song and dance, sticking their left foot out and their left foot in, then put their left foot out and shook it all about, while singing the song. Sawyer more mumbled than sang since he'd forgotten the words. The woman laughed and gave them each a heaping scoop of Hokey Pokey. Susie and Sawyer couldn't believe how good it was. After paying the woman, Grandpa got a couple scoops himself and managed to get a couple of the hokey-pokey chunks stuck in his beard. My name's Susie. This is my brother Sawyer and my Grandpa Kip, Susie said, nodding to the boys who were shoving the ice cream into their faces. Nice to meet you. My name's Ruby, the woman replied. Thank you for the ice cream. It's delicious. Susie hesitated as she tried to think of a natural way of asking her next question. Do you uh, happen to have a special globe? You know, one that, you know... Sawyer raised his eyebrows at her. You know... No, I don't know, Ruby laughed. But if you're looking for globes and old things like that, you're probably looking for Archie's shop. She turned and pointed to the old storefront right behind her stand. A look of realization fell over Grandpa and the twins. Ooh. Well, thanks for the ice cream, Grandpa said, tipping his derby hat and ushering the kids into the store. 
Next time, let's pay a little closer attention to the compass, he muttered out of the side of his mouth. Sawyer took another big lick of his ice cream. I'm not complaining. Susie cracked open the guidebook, and sure enough, their next set of instructions was to go to Archie's shop of relics. I've got to get better at using these things together. They walked into the shop and took a look around. Old statues, plates, and woven blankets and glass cases lined the walls. There was a globe towards the back, but it didn't look too special or out of the ordinary, except for the fact that it was hand-painted and there were sea monsters in the oceans. Hello? Anybody here? Grandpa called out. Will you put that thing away? Sawyer was hiding behind a case and watching his favorite cartoon on the magnifying glass. But Grandpa, watch this. He held up the magnifying glass and spoke to it. Show me the tallest person in the world. The lens zoomed to show a man walking the streets of India at least five heads taller than anyone around him. Well, that's invasive, Grandpa said. Put it away. Sawyer groaned and tucked it away. I've got to go to the bathroom. Just use the chair, Grandpa suggested. All right. No, Susie jumped in. That's disgusting. There's a bathroom in that back corner. Aww. Sawyer slumped his shoulders and moped his way over to the back. As he rounded the corner of display cases, he stopped. There, standing in the aisle, was an old man in a white tank top with a ring of frizzy gray hair. He was frozen, with a shocked expression, his hands up in front of him as if bracing for impact. Um, are you okay? Sawyer asked, glancing over his shoulders. The man didn't move. Uh, guys, there's a frozen guy over here and it's kind of freaking me out. Susie and Grandpa exchanged a confused look before heading over to him. Susie gasped and covered her mouth when she saw the man. That must be the store owner, Archie. What on earth? Grandpa rolled up to the man and gave him a poke, but the man didn't budge. I've never seen anything like it. He's stiff as a board. Grandpa, look! Susie pointed to a big smashed case by the bathroom door. Underneath it was a plaque that read, Moments that last forever. Susie read it out loud. I wonder what was in there. Sawyer pointed to the shattered glass all over the floor that left a trail out the back door. They followed it out the back of the shop and found a green plaza full of people looking up at the sky. What happened here? Grandpa asked one of the people. A crow-shaped jet just flew away from here a few minutes ago, said a man. I've never seen anything like it. Grandpa and the twins felt their stomachs drop. The last time they saw a crow-shaped ship was in the cave back on Thailand. Feeling a vibration in her hand, Susie glanced down and saw the compass's arrow spinning. It slowed to a stop and pointed southeast. Susie quickly opened the guidebook and read, Follow the compass to the glowworm caves. She reached out her hand to Sawyer. Can I see the magnifying glass? Sawyer handed it to her and she spoke into it. Show us who robbed Archie's shop. The lens zoomed in to show a mousy-looking man with a long, thin mustache wearing a black feathered coat. 
He was sitting in a cockpit Susie could only assume belonged to the crow jet. It's the black feather, she whispered. Whatever was in that case must be important. Now they're taking it to the glowworm caves. Well, what are we waiting for? Grandpa said, grabbing hold of the wheelchair's joystick. Hop on! That sounds really cool, Sawyer said, crossing his legs and doing a little dance. But can I please go to the bathroom first? Go, Grandpa and Susie said. As the three of them flew past the city and over the countryside, Grandpa had them ask the magnifying glass to show them other parts of the country. They saw the Araki Mount Cook National Park with its towering peaks and enormous glaciers. Then Grandpa showed them the filming locations for the Lord of the Rings movies, with their sprawling green hills, towering mountains and rivers rushing through jagged rock. What's the Lord of the Rings? Susie asked. Grandpa looked offended. You don't know? Well, I guess you two are still too young to know about it. But trust me, someday you'll appreciate it. After a few more sightseeing tours through the magnifying glass, they arrived at the glowworm caves. Grandpa landed the wheelchair near the cave entrance, a narrow green river cutting into the rock, and the twins hopped off to look around. I don't see that crow jet anywhere, Sawyer noted. They must have landed it behind some trees or something, Susie said. That means they're already inside. We have no time to lose. Come on, Grandpa, let's turn your wheelchair into a boat. Grandpa? Grandpa was staring into the mouth of the cave in a daze. Gramps! Sawyer waved in front of his face and he snapped out of it. Sorry, sorry. I just... I was just thinking. Grandpa had been reflecting back on all their recent missions, thinking about how close they'd come to dying. He remembered that sick feeling he'd gotten after they'd barely escaped the black feather in Thailand and Ukraine. Was it really worth it? Putting their lives in danger like this? He thought about what Ellie had told him, about how he was getting too old for this. The overcompensation of gadgets she had built into his wheelchair showed how worried she was about him. What are you thinking about, Grandpa? Susie asked. Grandpa looked up at her and smiled through his trimmed beard. Why don't you two stay out here while I go in? Sawyer and Susie looked at each other. Where was this coming from? Uh, no, Sawyer said. What's this all about? Susie asked, folding her arms. We're globetrotters just like you, Grandpa. The globe has chosen us for these missions, remember? Grandpa's face scrunched into a hundred wrinkles as he struggled with the decision. It's just too dangerous. How about I go scout it out, and then I'll come get you when the coast is clear? Yes, that's the plan. I'll be back. He turned his wheelchair into a boat, rolled into the water, and started cruising towards the cave. Grandpa! Susie shouted, shocked he was leaving them. Oh, I don't think so. Sawyer ran and jumped off a rock, soaring through the air before landing roughly on Grandpa's lap. Sawyer! Grandpa shouted. Sawyer punched the squirt gun button and water squirted Grandpa in the face over and over. You aren't going anywhere without us. Okay, okay. Grandpa stopped the boat and wiped his face. Fine. You can come, 
But if things get dicey in there, you have to promise me, both of you, that you'll run right back to the wheelchair. We promise, the twins said. Grandpa brought the chair boat back to shore so that Susie could hop on. Shaking his head and mumbling under his breath, Grandpa steered them into the cave and into the dark tunnel. As they cruised deeper into the darkness, they could hear the drips of water echoing through the cave. Grandpa flipped the spotlights on, but kept them on dim so they wouldn't be discovered. Pretty soon, they didn't need the lights. The rocky ceiling above them glowed with little blue lights, thousands of them, like wiggling stars they could reach out and touch. Are those the worms? Sawyer whispered. Grandpa smiled. Yes, they are. Susie stared up, spellbound, at the tiny glowing creatures that twinkled above them and gave the hanging stalactites an otherworldly glow. They're incredible, she said, the blue lights dancing off her face. Grandpa pointed to an especially chubby glowworm that was wiggling over a rock next to them. These glowworms are only found in New Zealand, and people come from all over to see them in the Waitomo Caves. As they journeyed deeper into the cave, the twins marveled at the little creatures. Susie was getting anxious. This is taking too long. We might not get to them in time. I'm going to see what's going on. She pulled out the magnifying glass. Show us the person who robbed Archie's shop, she said. The lens zoomed in to show the wiry man with a mustache standing somewhere in the cave talking to two people. Both large women dressed in black feathered coats. You have it, said one of the women. Of course I have it, said the mustached man. I wouldn't have showed up if I didn't. Well, where is it then? Does it work? Oh, it works. Tested it myself. And I've got it right here. The man bent down and took out an old-fashioned camera with a big flash bulb. Hand it over, said the biggest woman. Hold on, compadres, said the man, pulling the camera back. It's yours for a price. The boss obviously wants this badly, and I know he'll pay handsomely for it. The two women looked at each other anxiously. They told us nothing about a third person. Ah, then you must have misunderstood, because I have the jet, you see. So I will be taking us to the boss. Now the two women looked even more surprised. We already have our transportation. They said nothing about us taking the crow. Yes, well, I have it, so why shouldn't we? They said you two would know where we're taking it from here, so where are we headed? The two women hesitated before one of them finally answered. He waits for us off the coast of Buenos Aires. This is one of the last shipments they're waiting on before sailing out. Argentina, said the mustached man. I should have known. It's one of his favorite places. Grandpa and the twins were getting closer. They no longer needed the magnifying glass to hear the voices that were coming from up ahead. One of the women looked over the mustached man suspiciously. How old are you? They told us the man we'd be meeting would be older, in his sixties at least. She pointed a flashlight in his face. 
Yeah, said the other. Now that I think of it, I'm certain they said nothing about a third crew member or the crow jet. Who are you? The mustache man grinned. Who am I? Why, I'm your photographer, of course. Before the two women could react, the man raised the old camera and clicked. The whole cave illuminated with a blinding light. Sawyer and Susie stared, dumbstruck at the scene in the magnifying glass. The two women were standing stiff and motionless, with angry expressions on their faces. Grandpa's wheelchair quietly coasted up to the rocky ground at the end of the river. Just as Sawyer and Susie hopped off, the mustache man came running around the corner in front of them. The man yelled with surprise, and flash! He snapped another picture. Vroom! Whip! Grandpa pressed a button on his armrest, and a net shot out and tangled the man in a bundle in front of them, making him drop the camera. An old-time camera that freezes people. How convenient, Grandpa said, rolling over to the camera and scooping it up. You barely beat us to it. Who are you? The mustache man asked. We're globetrotters sent to bust you, Susie said, checking the net to make sure it was nice and tight. Globetrotters, the man repeated, as in Globetrotter Society? That's right, Grandpa answered suspiciously. What's it to you? The mustached man laughed. Finally, the globe sent me some help. What are you talking about? Susie asked, getting more and more confused by the second. The man laughed some more. I'm a globetrotter too. My globe sent me to retrieve this magical camera before the black feather could get it. And look, we've succeeded. But you froze Archie back at his shop, Grandpa said slowly. The mustached man shook his head. That wasn't Archie. Archie is out on holiday. The shop was closed. That stiff man you found was a member of the Black Feather. He was there to steal the camera and bring it here to the other members of his crew. But I beat him to it froze him and stole his feathered coat so I could pose as him. Obviously, the disguise didn't fool anyone for long. I had to freeze two more of their members back there. But not before I found out where they were planning to take it. Quick, untie me! Susie looked at Grandpa, who was giving the man a stink eye. He nodded to her, and she began cutting the man loose with Grandpa's pocket knife. You better not be lying, she said, cutting at the rope. My grandpa's wheelchair can unleash all kinds of hurt if it has to. And my brother knows karate. Don't you, Sawyer? Sawyer? Susie stopped and turned to look for him. She let out a scream that echoed through the cave. Sawyer stood behind them, frozen with his hands up high and a ridiculous gaping frown on his face. You froze him! Grandpa growled. The mustached man jumped out of the cut net. I didn't know who you were. I just reacted. Don't worry, we can fix him. How? Grandpa snarled. The mustached man held up a finger. I don't know exactly, but hey, we're globetrotters. We can figure it out. Susie cried and hugged her stiff brother, who looked like a statue of a kid that just got pushed out of an airplane. Grandpa rolled his chair into the man's shins. 
You better figure it out, or you'll have more than my chair to worry about. I will, I will, I promise. But we have to figure it out on the way to Argentina. The Black Feather won't wait in port for long, gent. He took the Black Feather coat off, revealing a loose frilly shirt, high boots, and a thin sword. What are you, a musketeer? Grappa asked, looking over the ridiculous costume. That's exactly right. How did you know? Grandpa raised an eyebrow at him. Lucky guess. He looked at Susie. Don't worry, Shoes. We'll fix him. Come on. Susie wiped her tears and helped the mustached man lift Sawyer onto Grandpa's lap. Then she and the musketeer hopped on, and together they rode out of the cave. This way, the man said once they reached the riverbank outside the cave. What do you mean, this way? Where are you taking us? Grandpa said, converting his chair back into a wheelchair and driving up onto the grass. The crow jet, of course. It's a lovely ride, let me tell you. Fast, nimble. He noticed Susie's scowl. And plenty of space to work on your friend? He's my brother, and his name is Sawyer. Yes, well... The man pulled out a wide-brimmed cavalier hat with a red feather and flipped it onto his head. Sawyer's in good hands, love. The name's Dante. He tipped his hat at them. Kip Boone, Grandpa said through a frown. And these are my grandchildren. If anything happens to them... Yes, yes, you'll sick your chair on me, I know, old man. Shall we? He motioned his long-gloved hand to the crow-shaped jet hidden within the trees. It was big, silver, and the cockpit came to a sharp point like a beak. Grandpa looked down at his statue-like grandson. Well, we can't take you home like this, he sighed. Let's get this over with. They headed into the trees and boarded the jet. <laughs> <laughs>